Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to Slamfire Radio, episode 480 for November 3rd, 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel. I'm another host, Kyle. I'm another host, Mo. Kyle, we got we got Robo Kyle sometimes here. You're yeah, it out here, yeah. But uh but that's uh that's okay. Kelly is on assignment. Um uh she's testing out different uh, mechanics shops to see which of them are like on the up and up. I think that's what she's yeah. doing, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Seeing if she can find like a, a decent tow truck driver. Um, Secret shopping the uh, tow truck and mechanics world. She's out yeah. there cruising yes. for tow truck drivers. That's one oh, way to look right. at it. That doesn't yeah. sound right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've, got, we've got a new sponsor for what we did in guns. Uh, so what we did in guns this week is brought to you by Bullseye North. Uh, need a new boomstick? Bullseye North is Canada's shooting superstore and a proud supporter of the CCFR. A wide selection of guns and top trending gear for any shooter. Free shipping over $200. Some, exclusion, some exclusions apply, like ammo. Uh, subscribe to their weekly newsletter to get free access to the hottest deals. Uh, and one of the deals that we want to talk about is the FX9, the Freedom Ordnance FX9. They have the 18.6 inch barreled one, so non restricted, and they are $13.99. And they have 88 of them. <laughs> 88. They <laughs> got a bunch. I got a whole schwack load of those things. So if you want to go fast with your PCC, take a look at that. Nice. Uh, Bo, did you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, I went to an IPSC match uh, at the Montreal Club, my local one. Uh, on Friday, I was there uh, Friday early afternoon into the evening for the build. And then I stuck around for the uh, Friday night, the, the build squad. Uh, I didn't shoot in that one, but I just helped patch and stuff. Uh, then I went back on Saturday, but it was a bit of an adventure. Uh, I normally get to a match at least a half an hour early, but most times an hour. Uh, because of um, an issue with a, a local bridge that I had to cross to get there, I ended up getting there 10 minutes early and they and it was the last the last squads of of the match it was at three o'clock and they had started without me so i ended up uh shooting by myself wait a minute you Uh, were early and they started without you yeah it was i guess that was 10 minutes early and everybody else was there much earlier (laughs) so anyways it's fine um i ended up yeah, so I ended up doing the stages and I shot by myself, which was odd, but um, that's what happened. <laughs> That'd be kind of neat, though. Yeah. Like I'm here, uh, I'm here to yes shoot the stage. No. Yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> like it was like speed shooting. It was basically uh, so I didn't have to patch or anything because it's just because the, the ROs were standing around. So it was like, okay, uh, br- uh, stage brief. Uh, check it out for a couple of minutes. And they, you know what? They didn't rush me or anything. Um, I, I think I rushed myself more than they rushed. Like, they didn't rush me. I rushed myself. Uh, and it was like, shoot the stage. 
Uh, I went and reloaded my mags. Uh, they scored and patched, or just scored, and because it was going to be the end of it. And then uh, mm-hmm. I got ready for the next one. So another stage brief, and so it was a bit. It was a bit different because I like I like the whole uh, shooting in a squad and be the camaraderie of it. So it's not really mm-hmm. my thing, but that's fine. That's fine. I worked on. Um, what I had talked about last week about a stronger grip and it seemed to it's I still had some mics, but it seemed overall to be better. So it's something I'm going to keep working on. And I've been doing that in dry fire. So I'm definitely gripping with my support hand a lot stronger than I was before. Um, and I'm going to start incorporating some life, life shooting at least once, a, once a week or every couple of weeks. Um, and it's registered for another match, which will be in, in at the Lonardier range, which is in Joliet, Quebec. That'll be this this weekend. I also had ordered uh, ammo, nine mil ammo from from Tenda. I had, I think I mentioned I got two thousand rounds, and it was like eight hundred and fifteen bucks with the shipping, uh, with free shipping. So that that arrived, and I also as part of that order, I got myself a uh, double alpha magnet for my belt. And look at the size of this bad boy. Nice. Can nice. you see it? Any fit yes. So I had. I had put, yeah, pretty much. I didn't space it for that, but I had bought like uh, those uh, Amazon cheap, uh, you know, the ones that you stick on uh, with the 3M double, double-sided double tape. But then I'd like, and it worked fine enough, but I decided to get like a nice proper big mag for it. So I added that on. So I'll be using that this weekend for the first time. Uh, it'll be nice for like the, um, um, obviously the loads and unloads and then the, uh, um, you know, table and barrel start stages and that stuff. So, what kind of pouch are you using? What kind of pistol mag pouch are you using? Uh, these are the ghost, the ghost ones. Oh, you couldn't stick it to that then. No, I like I no, it it doesn't like I would have to kind of screw it, like make my own little hole and screw it in. But, um, so yeah, that's that. And what else? Uh, I think that's it for me. Like I said, I just did more dry fire. I've been increasing. Um, I've been increasing how much I'm doing. I'm doing not not necessarily. I, I do only 15, 20 minutes, but I'm trying to do it every day and stuff. So at least I'm um, mm. doing it every day instead of. Uh, and then I find because I'm gripping harder, like, like you know my arms and wrists and stuff get like a little bit more, you know, sore from having to do it for you know fifty longer than that. Um, that's it for me. How about you, Kyle? Uh, once again, not a whole lot. I did start reorganizing my basement because it badly needed it. It needs to tidy up and just kind of reorganizing it, getting changing my studio set up a little bit. Part of it, you, well, the part I'm changing, you can't see. But um, same with my dry fire setup, uh, consolidating my dry fire because I have had targets just spread out throughout the entire basement to do yeah. movement and I'll probably keep some of that there but I want to get just like one spot with some targets set up so I can put a table do manipulations not like uh, WMD weapons manipulation drill and that so because I do you, do, I you tape, start... do you tape them the walls and stuff or do you like uh, have no, little stands no actually I bought this uh, thing they're dry fire stickers so they just oh, okay. they're and like they're not permanent. You can peel them off and 
wash them and restick them again. So those are I, they were a little bit more money than you would think you would spend on them, but they weren't like stupid expensive. And I like them. They're different scaling, and there's even like plate rack and Texas Star. You can get barrels and make partials and everything. But nice. Take and dry fire to a, a point where actually I don't actually use the coverage or that. I think I'm just put put up just few targets and then they can tra- practice transitioning between targets and main thing for me is just the uh, manipulations reloads changing between platforms now because yeah i i gotta get on that especially with uh arizona coming up in march i want to actually be somewhat prepared for that and shotgun worlds is supposed to be next year too so i want to go to that and so that means getting on top of the shotgun work and keeping on that uh we're starting to make plans for next year at the range for sporting clays and as it would turn out i guess i'm going to be getting my own hand at doing in the past i've just been basically a go for okay put this here okay no but i got given a couple stages for our first match that those are going to be my stations. No one else is. I set the machines, how I want the targets to throw and everything. So that's going to be interesting. And other than that, I want to get out. It's it's cold, but I want to get out and shoot a couple videos or do a couple, uh, yeah, videos of shooting. I'm thinking of doing a review of the Breda and then buddy's coming up and supposed to be bringing the Grisan. So start videoing for that and writing the script for both of those. And yeah, start videoing that stuff. But other than that, uh, that's about it. Adriel, how about you? Script. You write a script? How fancy. Well, I'm, <laughs> I haven't yet. I thought about it, but I haven't actually written it yet. It, I don't need to. <laughs> I don't need to. Just let her rip. <laughs> Especially you've been on the podcast for so long. You've got so many hours of just like winging it that uh, you should be able to get Yeah, You're a master yeah, winger. You got your Except high, for high those point. times I get offline uh, after we do this, like, oh, why didn't I mention that? <laughs> <laughs> need a checklist. Need a hit list. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been doing any reviews recently. Uh, actually, no, that's a lie. I, I did some reviews. I gave them to my editor and they're um, being a teenager and not doing them. But uh you know, you'll get to them. They'll run out of money. <laughs> uh, let's see. On Saturday, I was uh, at my brother's place just hanging out and uh, went and did a bit of hunting. He's in like a muzzle loader area. So I went and did a little bit of muzzle loader uh, hunting. Um, but then <laughs> his family got sick. So I had to leave because uh, uh, they got like uh, flu or I think it was just a flu. It wasn't like COVID or anything like that, but it was a pretty bad flu. So I bailed. Um, I've just been doing like random dad stuff. It snowed here in Alberta. So I got like a snow, like a nasty old snowblower and like made it go and put in a carb and dad stuff. Very exciting. <laughs> if you're a dad, not if not related to guns or anything like that. Uh, this weekend, uh, there's a three gun match on Saturday. I'm going to be ROing at that. And, uh, since it snowed a little bit, people are bailing. So, uh, <laughs> it's going to be, um, it's going to be a, a good match because like we're going to have a, a ton of space. We've got all the like hardcore ROs and that kind of thing. They're all going to be out there and we're not going to have like a big crowd. So it's going to be a day of like fun shooting. And I bet you we'll, we'll like add on like a shootout or something at the end of the day as well, because we'll, we'll have the time. Right. 
which is which is going to be fun. Yeah, that's going to be cold. I think it's just going to be like minus ten, but it's going to mm-hmm. snow all day. We're supposed to get like five <laughs> centimeters of snow, uh, which is like an inch and a half, almost two inches. Uh, yeah, so it's going to snow. Uh, the roads are going to be garbage, but the shooting should be fun. Uh, my buddy Thomas is uh, is going to come up to that. Uh, so I've just been getting some random like belt gear and that kind of stuff for him so that he's uh, he's ready to rock and roll for that and uh been setting up my well my belt too um this is what i'm rocking right now that's what i've got for my magnet mo i've got a uh these knockoff i think these are the race master ones and the double, I've got double a, alphas yeah yeah and i've got the just a i think i got this at princess auto just like a big circle magnet uh, which is the same thing as yours, right? That looks about the same size. I think yours looks bigger. I have magnet envy now. Thanks. Oh, I have. I got. I got to do that for next week because I have a magnet to throw on a belt. That <laughs> it's nice because, like, the thing about three gun. Okay, on an ipsec, yeah, you can put it on your belt. Where am I supposed to put it on a belt on, on a three gun belt? I got to put shotgun stuff at the front here. I've yeah. got pistol. Then I got rifle. There's just, there's no space for it. So if you, you, if you can put it on the actual pouch, it just, it's a very quick. Yeah. That makes spot sense. To put um, a couple of mags. Um, anyway, so I've been like working it, just trying to figure out what else I need to do. I don't think I need to do anything else to it. I got the double AR. I got a lot of other stuff on there. Might bring the SKS out, and depending on how I feel, I might run it. I don't know. Or I'll SKS. run the SKS. I don't know. I don't know. I still say black powder. Run the black powder for one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> Slow. Yeah, I'd, just, I'd shoot once, and I'd immediately just take the misses and <laughs> go to the pistol. <laughs> But uh, there's going to be snow. There's going to be snow at this one. And uh, we're going to be running around the snow. I hope it's not. It shouldn't be too icy. We did have like a little bit of freezing rain just before it snowed here. So like the roads yes, yesterday were pretty bad. Uh, but uh, hopefully the range. Hopefully there's like some hard pack, like some snow pack on top. So it's not like super slippery. I don't mind snow. I just don't like. I don't like trying to do go fast shooting when it's like super, super slippery ice everywhere. Because it's just it's hard to go even 90%. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's about it for me. Not too much, but uh, should have some more to talk about uh, next week after that, uh, after that match. Yeah. I'm interested to see how that turns out. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, I've been looking at a couple things to like buy. I've been looking at uh, a light for the Glock 48. So my Glock 48 doesn't have a rail on it, but Surefire makes one that like clamps onto the trigger guard. Oh, I might, I might okay. One. I might buy one. I've been. I keep looking at it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Gotta do, it, it. do it. Do it. Do <laughs> it. Yeah. Scratch that edge. Mm-hmm. It's cool too. It's like it's really small. So like you you could put it in a holster or whatever, and it would be fine as long as it's like got that little bit of space for it. But uh, yeah. All right. Uh, on on to upcoming events. Um, one well. There's a Chaz three gun match this Saturday and there's lots of spots for it. Um, you could buy online or you could go on Facebook and find someone who's trying to sell their spot and like bargain a little bit, maybe like offer them a little really? bit less than it's worth. Well, yeah, a discounted not? spot. 
Hmm. Hey, well, I mean, if someone paid for it and it's like too late, we're not doing refunds. It's like a day before or whatever. Uh, but you can horse trade someone else if you want. So maybe, you know, offer someone uh, 20 bucks or a two, four a pill <laughs> or something like that. And uh, <laughs> get that spot at a discount. I, I, you know, guys, you guys know I'm a cheap ass, right? So I love putting pay yes. under, uh, under value for things. This is, this is hundred percent angel talking here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to uh, set up a ladies' day for next year, uh, reach out to Kelly, uh, sunfireradio@gmail.com. Uh, we'll make sure she gets it, and uh, she'll help you set it up. Mostly in terms of like uh, arrangement and uh, timelines and sponsorship, and she'll help with like uh, it's very well put, put together, well, very well organized. What she's got. For sure. Uh, get, <clears throat> getting into the news. Um, we had one guy, uh, I believe this guy was in Alberta too. <clears throat> yes, this, this guy was in Alberta. He was looking at trying to get a semi-auto set me Modelo A, um, a uh, uh, non-restricted FRT for it, which you should be able to, to do because that predates the G3. G3 is named prohibited. This one's not though. Uh, he had some issues. Uh, it didn't uh, it didn't come through as non-restricted. He, he submitted this like two, three years ago, right? Mm. Um, they said that his receiver was a G3 variant, which it wasn't because he made it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so he's got he's got another plan where he's going to um, make it more set me ish. Um, so we can get that. I you know what? If he succeeds, we get a three another three hundred eight battle rifle, another cool that something that is like FN Fal ish. Like very close to you know a lot of Canadian uh, military people would have uh, would have had some time on the on the foul and uh, at least in basic some of those older guys I don't know but uh, be cool if that uh, if that comes through uh, this next one uh, oh I believe this one is yeah right? I'll, I'll I'll mention it so yeah. the we had talked in the past that the Springfield Sports Club in New Brunswick had uh, won their case against the CFO. And uh, the president announced, uh, I guess earlier today, I'll read what he wrote. Uh, the Springfield decision from the Court of Appeals stands. Uh, the province of NB did not apply for leave with the Supreme Court of Canada within the 60-day limit. So I guess they're, uh, they fully won their case, and it's great news. Awesome. That is good news. Yep. So that's, good. A good pre- that's a good precedent, right? Across. Uh, yeah. Yep. Stay down. (laughs) (laughs) Know your place. (laughs) Uh, All right. Um, Getting Uh, into uh, CCFR legal fund donations. So right now with a court date has been set, April 11th to 20th is when the CCFR gets their day in court. If you're looking to help support it, uh, head on over to, I'll just send an EMT finance uh, at firearmsrights.ca. And if you are a Discord user, uh, let the people over at the Canadian Firearms Enthusiasts Discord server, no, and you'll be entered to win a prize. They have Vortex Crossfire 2s. They have uh, Cabela's gift cards. They have gun goodie bags, which are probably just like people's old leave-behinds that they just don't want anymore. (laughs) But you could win it. You could win it. So one man's trash, another man's treasure. Uh, And again, that's the the Canadian Firearms Enthusiasts Discord server. I've got it up on my mother monitor here. (laughs) They also have uh, very funny memes. Very uh, <laughs> dank, dank memes. Memes are good. Memes are good. 
<laughs> I'm too old to be saying dank memes, but uh, you know, I'm going to say it anyways. Let's get on to new gun stuff. Uh, the first one, it's a video, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share it on screen here. But uh, Horny is making subsonic 762 by 39, and they're mm. using 255 grain mm. bullets with it. Oh, big, big chunky boys. Yeah, <laughs> chunky. I'm gonna keep using uh, Zoomer speak uh, for the rest yeah. of the show <laughs> here, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you're looking for subsonic ammo for your 762 by 30, I think it's a neat idea. Like, could you imagine yeah. like uh, plinking or something like that with a subsonic uh, round? Yeah, it's neat. It's neat, and just like running a 255 out of your out of your SKS or something like that, or you type. It'd be one. really cool if we could protect our ears and run a suppressor with that subsonic ammo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> ear health and everything like. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. cool. It is still cool. Uh, the next thing we have on here is the Black uh, Creek Labs BCL SRV2. These are starting to come to pre-order. Uh, I'm just going to share what it looks like here. It's very BCL-ish. So this is True North Arms. They're they're running a, a pre-order on it. Oh, they don't show the other side. The other side's the more important side. Um, it is a uh, right-hand eject, left-hand charge. It's got a bolt mm. release button on it, which is something that isn't the best on some of the one, uh, some of the one eighties that you have like a, some of them will have like a lever, but it goes the wrong way. This one uses like BCL has got this standard way of dropping a bolt that, uh, that they've had on their one eighties and that kind of thing. That was kind of gamer kind of go fast. And they now mm. have it on this one eighty clone that they're making. Hmm. Kind of neat. A little bit yeah. pricier than some of the other 180s out there, like pricier than the uh, WK-180 and the WSMCR, but less than the RS, what was it, 12? What was that other one? R, Mark II, Mark III, I don't know. That had so many letters and numbers <laughs> and, in it. And when is it supposed to be available? Uh, this was, it says December 2022. December. Is that a collapsing stock on that? That's the Jukov stock on the back there. Oh, okay. Correct uh, stock to put on something like this. In my opinion, I'm a big fan. I like that stock. Uh, and geez, it almost looks like it'll take a beaver tail grip on it too. It does look like it would take a beaver tail grip. Hmm. Nice. Which is all interesting. Yep. Yeah. Um, just given that this is a gen one thing, I would wait until there's like some reviews out there before picking one up. But, uh, but there's some definitely some interesting features in there. Okay. Uh, and then Bullseye North has the uh, Tamga Arms single shot shotguns in 20 gauge, 224. So if you're looking for an inexpensive 20 gauge, uh, they got them. Actually, you know what I should do? I should show it, right? Yeah, Let's sure. It looks like. Oh, it's one of the ones with the rails. Yeah, yeah. It's got the rail on it there. Oh, and it's okay. got sling swivels front and back. Looks like a plastic hmm. button pad on there. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. It looks very similar to some of those ones I've got. That looks like a different site, though. Mine just have a bead. That looks like a something else. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Why don't we get on to the main topic? And tonight we're joined by uh, Mr. Robert Freeberg, who is the CFO for Saskatchewan. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on your program. Uh, maybe just for our, our listeners and, and viewers' sake, uh, let us know um, 
what you're doing as CFO and kind of what your background is. Well, a little bit about background is I was involved with the Saskatoon Wildlife Federation for the past 40 years. I was on the Wildlife Federation Board of Directors and range chairman. I held a bunch of different positions and I was five years as president. And then um, kind of in the end of my term as president, I was responsible working with the membership for relocating a range that uh, we had in the city. And due to expansion, urban sprawl, we had to move the range out into a new location. So we built a brand new range that uh, was about a two and a half million dollar project. That's one of the largest ranges in Canada. Supports not only the 3,500 members of the Wildlife Federation, but also law enforcement partners and uh, others who also use the facility. So that was kind of one of the things that I finished off my uh, career. And then I retired, uh, was cutting grass out at the range and putting up backstops. And then all of a sudden the provincial government decided they were going to hire a CFO and and uh, have a provincial CFO versus the RCMP CFO. And so I threw my hat in the ring and uh, here I am. Fantastic. Well, Kyle and I have both been out to that range and, and it yeah. is uh, a... <laughs> Very well laid out. I, I I love how that range is laid out. It's uh, it's so convenient getting getting around, and it's like so com- it, It's compact, but it like you you make excellent use of the space there. Um, we've been out. Yeah. I've been out for uh, Prairie Fire, which is like a three gun competition mm-hmm. that uh, that's been out there, and uh, fantastic spot, fantastic uh, uh, arrangement for it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was a lot of work, and it was uh, we moved about. Uh, well, for six months we moved dirt. Uh, out from the existing range facility over to the other one. We trucked it over, so we relocated all of the contaminated soil and used it to build berms and stuff. So it was kind of a neat project. I've also been a licensed gunsmith, sold firearms, did a lot of, built a lot of custom uh, pistols, did a lot of repair work. Um, so I'm you know, no stranger to that, reloading, muzzle loading, hunting. It pretty much goes bang. I've been involved with it at some point in time. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about uh, muzzleloading a couple shows ago. It's uh, it's a season. We're right in the season right now. And it's uh, it's kind of a fun thing to get into. Um, Maybe, uh, maybe just before we get into the muzzleloading though, um, let's uh, we wanted to get your take on the current state of Canadian uh, firearms ownership. So we've seen some, uh, some recent changes kind of come through here. What are, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, is our government, uh, one of the reasons that we got involved in having our own provincial CFO is so that we can, really concentrate on advocating for law-abiding firearms owners and at the same time really putting some serious effort and energy into the public safety side. So people who shouldn't have a firearms because of mental health, um, domestic violence, criminal activity, uh, straw purchasing, whatever the case, gangs, whatever the case may be, that we would work heavily with law enforcement to support those endeavors that are that are supported by law-abiding firearms owners across the country. I mean, they all agree that uh, they don't want to see people with firearms that shouldn't have them. But at mm-hmm. the same token, we're also advocating for the heritage that we have here in Saskatchewan. Um, you know, we <clears throat> since I was a young fellow, I mean, we grown up around firearms, growing up around hunting, target shooting, um, the outdoor activities, fishing, um, that sort of thing. So we see it here more mainstream. Um, and certainly one of the things that I'm trying to do is you know, I was mentored by a lot of people who got me into this as a kid and got me interested in it. And I went through cadets and so forth. And at the end of the day, I'm really wanting to get back to that mainstream approach. And uh, I guess 
take some of the misnomers out of firearms ownership where obviously people see the U.S. television shows and programs and the news and unfortunately some of that's creeping into Canada as well but you know that's not who we are as a responsible firearms uh, group and so our government uh, uh, you know under my minister's minister tell and uh, under uh, premier mo has been very active and as you know promoting the fact that we are supporting and want to continue to support responsible firearms owners in saskatchewan and we will continue to do that and that's really my mandate um, in addition to what we want as i mentioned earlier to make sure that people who don't have firearms that we're doing the best job we can to make sure we control that yeah, you bet. I think yeah, there's some clearly some uh, some obvious stuff that can be done to uh, to make some big gains there. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of challenges is your office facing right now as CFO? Um, is it like it's uh, like like you had mentioned there, like provincial CFOs. Most of the provinces had just federally appointed ones for the longest time, and now just recently here we've got uh, new ones in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, what what kind of challenges are you are you facing? Well, you know, I work first of all. I work very closely with uh, Alberta CFO with Terry Bryant, and I've known Terry for years through going to the Calgary Gun Show and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, so we talk on a regular basis and and try to collaborate on best practices and kind of help each other. So that we've that's been a big part of what we've been doing. And we we basically took it on in the same month in September of 2021. So um, kind of been going through it at the same time. As far as the challenges go, I mean, when we took the program over, I mean, we had a lot of files that we had to manage. And, of course, um, we had to get our staff up to speed. We had to hire staff. We have about 18 staff in our office. Uh, We also have our own attorney in here that helps us to make sure that we can interpret the firearms regulations properly because, as you know, they're complex and difficult sometimes to follow. Um, And so, again, we've, we've got some advice there that we utilize for some of our determinations around uh, perhaps revoking or refusing licenses, but at the same time also helping law enforcement and also our our stakeholders understand what the regulations are, what the laws are, and how they affect them. And as they're changing now constantly, uh, doing the best we can to try to get the messaging out to people so they don't get offside um, because the regulations in some, some cases are changing so fast they can't keep up with them. So um, that's probably been our biggest challenge. Again, mm-hmm. we've improving our relationship with our law enforcement partners. Um, we've also, interesting enough, in Saskatchewan, my office has been actually set up as what we call a, a secretariat within government. So I report directly to Minister Dow and to Cabinet and, and uh, the Premier. So it helps us work through some of the challenges we have quickly, and we're able to adapt uh, as a result very quickly and you know get our messaging and and our needs with government back and forth both ways um, as quickly as possible. So I think that has been useful. And it's a bit different model than what some other provinces are using where they will put the CFO typically underneath um, several layers of bureaucracy. And, you know, we feel that our program is superior to that because of that reason. Definitely. Yeah, you mentioned uh, just some of the complexity. I mean, even... Even with the laws that we've had for a while, there's still a lot of gray area. Magazine capacities is one of those mm-hmm. ones where it's like Butler Creek mags; those predate the design. They should be fine. They like they they predate the, the design of the charger. They shouldn't be a pistol mm-hmm. mag, but they are by the RC. Yeah, there's there's still lots of room for for interpretation and gray area in there that uh, that makes it confusing for people. It is a it is a very confusing set of laws to try to. Uh, to try to stay on site, even without the attorney. <laughs> well, I understand that. And so we've been going out to the gun shows 
the same as I know Terry has been in Alberta and meeting with the stakeholders, talking to them, trying to get answers to those questions, or if we don't have the answers right on the spot, you know, take them back and get answers for people. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've also created a, you know, an email line that they can get in directly to us. We've also created a 1-800 line in the province so people can call in, you know, and talk to us directly. So unfortunately we can't help with some of the issues around the PALs and the RPAL processing because that's continued to be done in Miramichi. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the processing center for the licensing. And so when you people call there and they get put on hold for several hours and or not get you know picked hung up, up on hung up on, up on. Um, they're not calling into our office. I mean, but, and we're constantly advocating uh, to improve those services. And I know the people in Mimershire are trying to do their best, but they're being swamped with handgun transfers that I think are somewhere in the close to 175,000 that came in. You've got the PALs, the RPALs. I mean, they brought in the new PAL um, verification system. I mean, there's been a lot of things that have been thrown onto their desk. So, you know, your listeners, I guess, should be aware that it's not that those those individuals in there are trying not to, you know, service the clientele. They just don't have enough people or enough resources to be able to do that. So I know yeah. we've been looking at that provincially to see what what we can do to improve that situation and maybe see if we can bring some of those services back into the province where we maybe have more direct control over, you know, how well, that would be excellent. Those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything, the, the analogy or the, the thing I like to come back on is uh, references, reference checks. Uh, a lot of the times reference checks aren't done. And that seems like something that is pretty critical to get done, but it's, they're too busy with too many other things, too much busy work, too many, got to call in for an ATT, got to call in for this or that, or, ah, oh, I want to do the regular PAL uh, transfer and there was an issue. So now I got to call in and that's all taking time away from like doing real investigation, really like checking references and seeing if <laughs> did this, does this person even know two people that, that will advocate on their behalf and say they're an okay person. Right. Well, the other thing too, is the stakeholders, you know, we all have to take some you know responsibility too. And as the CFO and I've been advocating and looking at some of the folks that have getting hung up on their licensing and some of them are just stuck in the system. I mean, you know, I'm not going to make any excuses for that. But there's also ones where they don't send in the right money, the credit mm-hmm. card number they put in incorrectly. They sent in the wrong photograph. I mean, one guy wearing a Halloween, you know, costume and was like literally <laughs> wanted to get his picture, you know, and you can't even see his face. His sunglasses, we've had uh, snowmobile helmets, I mean, you name it. And so, I mean, you know, people want to be cute, I guess. But then what ends up happening is the system doesn't, they won't see it doesn't recognize it. So then they end up sending back a letter to the individual saying you need to send a picture. Then the letter goes back. Somebody has to take the letter out, scan it, process it. And because of the, as I said, the heavy workload, the everything gets stopped, but the provincial CFO offices aren't doing that function. That's going into Miramichi again. So yeah. really our side of it is more investigating the firearms incident, what we call FIPS. So if someone has an interaction with the police, I mean, it immediately comes up into our office and then we're looking at it and saying, well, is there anything here that's related to public safety with regards to firearms? So we get on those pretty quickly. Or if someone's applying and they've got some challenges or they've answered some of the questions in a positive manner, saying that they've had mental health issues or in the past or so forth, we go in and investigate those. And of course, we want to give people the benefit of the doubt as well. I mean, if they've dealt with their mental health issues, their health issues or you know, other things through, you know, their doctor or through counseling or whatever, we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And if they're not a risk to themselves or others, make sure that they 
you know, have the privilege of having a firearm. So, you know, we do a lot of that work. We also do some uh, approvals. And, and of course, when the transfers finally get through the registrar's office, we get to the point where they're all teed up and the paperwork and the, that function's done, they do come through to us for, for approval. And we've been mm-hmm. uh, working overtime on those approvals. I mean, so far we've put through about 2,500. Um, unfortunately, they come in as fast as we can process them. But we've been doing our part in processing the ones that have gotten to the administrative, gone through the administrative function of Mary Machi through the registrar's office so that, mm-hmm. you know, they know that the gun's going to move from person A to person B. And now they know who person B is. And then they send that to us for final approval. So, again, we've been working heavily to make sure we get caught up on those. And, you know, we're hoping that they continue to flow into us now that the handgun uh, freeze has come into effect, that we're continuing to see those. Well, maybe on that topic, uh, do you know how far into the transfers you are right now? I'd say uh, the last report I had, I think we were into the ones that were submitted in August. So we're getting caught up okay. to that August. point. So we're, we're doing better than a lot of provinces, I think, are. Um, but I think you know, some Ontario uh, people are probably. I know Alberta's, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the problem is exponentially larger because they have more licensed firearms owners there. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. but I know Terry's been putting a lot of effort into getting extra people there. And, and the other CFO offices to that point, you know, talking to my, uh, you know, counterparts in other provinces, every, every province has been trying to do uh, what they can to expedite those transfers. Normally the provinces don't do those. Like for the most part, those get done in Miramichi, but all of the provinces kind of put their hand up and said, okay, these are extenuating circumstances. You know, let's get our guys on board and try to work some overtime, provide some additional people to help them process because that helps our businesses which is really what we were focusing on, just to give you an idea of the priority. So mm-hmm. if a business was putting through a transfer and of course their livelihood and their, you know, they got to make payroll. We were trying to prioritize those business transfers first and then do the, you know, the individual to individual just so we could keep commerce going. Not that yeah. anybody's more important than the other, but if the businesses can't get the transfers through or couldn't, you know, there's no way that they could generate any revenue and keep their doors open. So we're trying to support the business applications. So in some cases, people that did the transfers through a business were getting a little bit better service levels. But, you know, when you start looking at 2,500 transfers, sort of, you know, coming in all at once, it's hard to get them done regardless of how you're, you know, you're prioritizing them. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, one thing that, uh, that some of our listeners might be interested in, are you gonna are are any transfers happening that were after or submitted after the twenty first after that OIC? Well, if they're the only people that are uh, permitted to have those transfers are those exempted groups. So you've got the you know the authorized people that are authorized to carry for you know work like security guards and mm-hmm. things like that. That um, and then there's the Olympic um, shooting exemption and that sort of thing. But you know again. Um, there's not a lot of people that fall into that category. So like, you know, again, that hasn't been something that we've seen a lot of. I mean, what we've particularly been processing right now is the backlog. Once we get through those, I suspect they will start seeing more potentially coming through and, you know, for people that fall into those exempted categories, but they certainly have closed the door um, on anybody trying to put one through or backdate one or whatever they've been. That's, that's a starter. 
Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like it has to go through that uh, that Miramichi, that central location, before it gets to you, anyways. So yeah, well, really, because the thing that people realize is that the registrar's office really controls the tra- you know, the registration and the transfers and the certificates on firearms. So um, it's kind of two halves to the program. You have the CFOs that are sort of more involved on the regulatory side and investigating public safety incidents and so forth, and then you have the registry side of the firearms program where they really kind of decide which firearms are restricted, non-restricted, prohibited, what type of certificates need to be issued for each, who the certificates go to kind of Mm -hmm. the, they're kind of the keepers of the, of the records. And so they tend to operate independently to some degree alongside the CFO offices, but they're definitely a separate business unit within the Canadian firearms program. Gotcha. Yep. You mentioned one thing, the, that hotline and the email. What Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So the um, the one thing that we find that's really useful for people in Saskatchewan that want to find out, you know, or have questions and so forth, the best way for them to do that is if they go to SFP, which is like Saskatchewan Firearms Program info at gov.ska.ca. That's our email and so when those come in we've got a team that grabs those and then assigns them to the right person so if there's something that's a cfo inquiry they can come to me if it's something Mm -hmm. that a firearms officer needs to deal with they can go to them if it's a range inquiry about you know our range or questions and things like that they can go into our you know our ops people that look after the ranges Uh, or it may be a legal question and um with regards to the firearm act or something and then we can send that into our and to our lawyer and try to get a response back, you know, that way. So not that we're involved in if somebody gets into trouble with the police. We're not here to give uh, independent legal advice, but we can help people with regards to the interpretation of the firearm act. So that SFP info at gov.sk.ca is really the, probably the best way to, to get hold of us. We also have a 1-800 number, but the challenge that I can just grab it here, it's one uh, 833 7922706 again that's 8337922706 the the challenge though on any of the phone lines is that you know people will call and give us a 10 minute description of what they need and then we have to write try to write that all down and it's difficult so we've had most people if they put in their information or their pal or I'm looking for this or I'm looking for that it's much easier for us now we've got all the information in writing we can, you know, process it quickly and get back to them quickly with uh, response and writing. So most people like that better than trying to have a dialogue back and forth on the phone and um, trying to write everything down. And then it gets, you know, something gets lost in the translation. So I would encourage people if they have a specific question to use the, the email line. It's quick. It's it's fast. There's a record of the of the inquiry, and it's easy for us to support. Yeah, awesome. That sounds like really good initiatives. Uh, in terms of uh, um, 2023, can you let us uh, know any of the stuff that's coming up that's not super secret? <laughs> well, we, you know, we are as you know in the throne speech. Um, you know that there was some mention of the fact that we want to advocate for responsible firearms owners, and that's one of the things that we're looking at. And same token, we want to make sure that we're. Uh, being tough on crime and tough on people at straw purchase mm-hmm. or smuggle guns or whatever the case may be. So we are looking at and studying all the, the all of the current legislation, uh, whether it's C21, the OAC, 
or the current, as you said, uh, firearms legislations there to see what tools we have at our disposal to fall within the act, which is a federal act, of course, it's the federal firearms program. See what what flexibility or latitude or direction we may go um, going forward with regards to advocacy and you know protecting the heritage of responsible firearms owners in this province. So um, I'm certainly uh, optimistic that you know our my ourselves and probably Alberta as well and potentially other provinces will uh, be looking at those same similar things. I know that we started off with Alberta and Saskatchewan uh, talking about the RCMP using uh, doing the uh, confiscation program or yep. a uh, buyback program. Um, and our minister was very strong in, in indicating that we provide almost 70% of the funding for the RCMP in Saskatchewan. And we don't see that as a public safety initiative. Mm-hmm. Alberta was in the same position, and shortly thereafter, we had uh, other provinces fall into line with that messaging as well. So, you know, that's some of the advocacy that we've been doing, um, and I guess we'll see where that where that goes in the in the next few weeks or months. Yeah, well, it's greatly appreciated, uh, Kyle. Mo, any any other questions you wanted to add? Uh, you mentioned uh, Dr. Brian from Alberta. Do you regularly speak to the other CFOs across Canada? Yeah, we do. Um, more so probably the opt-in provinces. They they tend to be um, just, we all have similar interests just because of the fact that we're provincial organizations. So we've been talking with Nova Scotia. Uh, Mr. Parkins out there is an Ipsic shooter and very, very knowledgeable guy. And I'm an Ipsic shooter from way back. I'm not having to do it for a while. I'm getting a little old. I don't seem to be able to keep up with those young guys like I used to. But, um, you know, and I know he seems to be able to still do pretty well, but uh, we've had conversations with him. We've actually have national conferences where we get together and we've had a few uh, uh, phone um, conference calls similar to what we're doing here with some of the other uh, provincial CFOs. And we have a national conference where we talk to the RCMP CFOs as well. So there's many times we share concerns or best practices or seeing what other people are doing in their areas and try to keep things somewhat um similar so we're not completely on different pages which makes it a little easier for the stakeholders yeah a little bit easier for someone who's uh maybe moving between provinces <laughs> to figure out the new uh the new way of things definitely yeah so but but we there's there's no question in alberta because we both jumped into this with both feet in september of last year that we probably spent the most time talking to each other because we're the the newbies um, in the whole program versus the other opt-in provinces. Some of them have been at it for 20 years, so they hmm. kind of are embedded in their processes and the way they do things where you know, we're sort of starting out on a new page. Yeah. Kyle, did you have any questions? Uh, no, I actually I don't. I do want to thank you and for working with Terry and what you, you, what you guys are trying to do for, for gun owners, for sure. I know there's a lot of work there be done well I, and it's you know i enjoy it it's why i did it i mean i took this i'm in it to win it they're in it to make a difference and um i think anyone that knows me knows that i'm not a quitter and um, at the same token you know it is federal legislation but mm-hmm. there is opportunities in there for interpretation and you know we, we certainly want to do what we can to support the firearms community and coming from someone that used to shoot skeet and trap and you know, IPSC and three gun and, you know, 
build guns and fix guns and muzzleloaders and hunting. I mean, I, you know, I know the value in the sport and I think part of it is, you know, we can all do our part to educate people. Biggest thing I think I find right now is firearms owners that, you know, they look towards their CFOs or they look towards you folks to be advocates or they look towards their associations and there's many good ones out there. Um, but I think really the message I like to get out to people is like, you know, ed- spend some time with your neighbor, take them to the range, mm-hmm. you know, take them out hunting, take, you know, take them out shooting your handgun or whatever, have them understand what it is that you do and why you do it. And, and, you know, really, I think that's probably the biggest thing we can do. And I guess lastly, the other side is that you know, I just can't emphasize enough that, you know, be smart with the storage of your firearms. I mean, we all support safe storage. I mean, mm-hmm. But do it all the time. And when you go out hunting and you're at a hotel, you know, don't leave your firearms in your car. You know, block them up so some somebody isn't stealing them at night. You don't want to lose them. I don't want to see them getting chopped up and being used in a, you know, in a criminal matter and stuff, which is mm-hmm. you know, really what we're seeing in Saskatchewan mostly. We're not seeing the handguns, the smuggled guns in from the U.S. We're seeing firearms that have been modified or, or manufactured from bits and pieces, not even so much the 3D stuff, although that's starting to gain popularity, but, you know, it's the, you know, zip guns and the stuff that's being made out of pipes and stuff. But do your part, like, you see that stuff going on or you hear it's going on, you know, report it and, you know, store your firearm safely, you know, lead by example. And um, I think that's, you know, really kind of the messaging I like to get out to all the listeners that, you know, you know, we need to promote and support responsible firearms owners, but, you need to be responsible. And I know the vast majority do, and but we all could probably pull up our socks a little bit on some of our best practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well said. Uh, Mike was just asking there, um, how hard is it to gain a business license to deal with prohibited items or getting a business license in general? I'm not sure if the... Well, thanks, Mike. That's a good question because we get asked that a lot now, of course, <laughs> because the people looking for a, a you know, loophole. The, under the legislation, it says that you basically have to have some sort of contract in place with a, a you know, for the business to be holding prohibited firearms. So, you know, if you were doing, like you're a gunsmith and you were servicing prohibited firearms, say for a police department or something like that, you know, obviously that would be, a, you know, a situation. Or if you were in the business of reselling, you know, firearms to um, law enforcement, then of course there would be another issue. Or if you were in the manufacturing business and you manufactured parts and components that um, were used in law enforcement or military or other applications like that, then you can certainly justify uh, getting the ProHib license. But just to basically phone up your local CFO, regardless of Saskatchewan or where, just say, you know, hey, I'm, I want to get a ProHib license and move all my prohibited inventory into it, um, as much as it might seem like a good idea and under the legislation regulatory side of it, it's not, it isn't easily um, facilitated by the CFOs. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike is one of your constituents. He's, uh, he's around the border. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's good information. Yeah. We, uh, we de- definitely do advocate for the, uh, take people to the range, uh, me- method of, uh, of firearms <laughs> advocacy because yeah. it's, uh, it's an easy thing to do. Anyone can do it. And, uh, and it changes people's minds once they've actually like, done it they're uh, they're a little bit less scared about something that they know a little bit more about uh after they hit the range um, well, it was interesting because you know when we when they announced in saskatchewan on september 20th of 21 when we did the announcement we actually did the announcement at a gun range down in regina at the regina wildlife federation 
and we invited all the reporters and everything that came and they all spent time after shooting. And there wasn't one single one of those reporters that had a negative thing to say about the shooting or the fact that we did the announcement at a shooting range. So I Mm -hmm. think that really personifies what the message is that I'm trying to get across. And you guys are trying to get across that it does work. I mean, you can, they came out and said, Hey, this is a lot of fun. I can see why people do this. So, you know, I think it's, um, but it, you know, it takes some effort, of course, to, you know, whether it's a women, lady shoot or kids shoot or taking your grandkids out shooting. I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think that, that, you know, there's a lot, I guess, to that people understand that, you know, it's a legitimate sport and something that should be looked at seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. doesn't take much to convince me to take someone to the range, <laughs> twist, twist my rubber arm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take someone out shooting. Uh, I guess if I have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's something I always try to find time for with my grandkids and, and family. And they, 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 my girls, they, they're already there at seven and they're already hitting a little, gong about this big around at 100 yards with their little you know 22 that you know yeah. just, just fits them just right so i mean it's uh that, i enjoy seeing that more than just you know plinking myself so i mean again uh, you know that's the type of thing we can do i guess to to advocate you know not just rely on the you know the what we're trying to do here with regards to advocacy or whatever but. Yeah, well, I mean, there's the there's the legal and the uh, political side of things, but then there's just like the hearts of minds of just taking people out shooting so that they understand what it is. And I think that's one that, uh, like you're saying there, everyone can do and everyone can have impact on. Well, I think the other point, too, and I'd say that it makes a big impact, you know, with, uh, I know within our government, and we get lots of letters from people complaining about, you know, what they don't like. And I mean, I understand, and we take those seriously, and I respond to all of them, and I phone people. In fact, tonight I'll be calling another stakeholder that said phone me after six because he's working, so I'm going to call. But, you know, what I also would encourage people to do is if you're happy with what the government's doing or the initiatives that they're making, send a letter saying that too. You know, a thank you card out to your local MLA or your MP that's supporting you in the position. Um, goes a long way and these guys going, because there's a lot of people, you know, lobbying to different things uh, done to help them and you know, again, if they're getting some messaging back saying they're doing the right thing and going the right direction, I think that's, you know, is also very useful. So, again, you know, I try to tell folks, like, I'm always interested in listening to constructive criticism, but, hey, once in a while it'd be nice to say, hey, you did a good job on this or I liked what I heard on the radio today or whatever. So that makes a big, you know, keeps kind of keeps the gas in the tank, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you too much too much longer here, Mr. Freeberg, but uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for being a, a strong advocate for us and uh, and helping uh, fight the good fight for us. Well, thanks for all the work you guys do, and obviously to promote the firearm sports across the country. So uh, good luck with your show, and uh, I, I've enjoyed watching it on a few occasions when I've had a chance to tune in. So awesome. all the best to you guys. Have a good evening. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye. Bye. And to Mr. Freeberg for coming on and letting us know all about what's going on in Saskatchewan. Let's get into uh, listener feedback. Uh, first on Facebook, uh, Mike has a uh, correction on something, or not a correction, added information on one of the things I was trying to figure out. The Sterling Mark 18. Yes, that's the one I was trying to think of. And uh, he has provided that information. Thank you, Mike. That's the other 180 that's uh, that's out there that's a little bit pricier, but has a couple more like extra features in it that help you go fast. 
Uh, let's get into emails. Um, Mo, do you want to take this one from Ed? Sure. Uh, from Ed, uh, guys, last week you had Cyclops Joe on. I loved it. I have watched several of his videos and found him a great resource. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, a great yeah. resource yeah. and uh, and fun to have on. <laughs> that yeah, was wild. It was. Yeah, that was that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kyle, a little bit shy, a little bit shy and introverted, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It took a <laughs> while to crack to crack that shell. <laughs> uh, indeed. Yeah. Kyle, uh, yeah, I one? can read the. Yeah, I can read the next one here. Hey, Slamfire gang, another email for you guys, but probably not as funny this time. Did a co-ed pheasant hunt organized through the Canadian Sportswomen Society this week at Autumn Olive Game Preserve. Started out the morning by meeting up some with some pretty cool people out at the cabin, which few of them spent the night at. We headed out to our spot and waited as the guide set up for the hunt. Eventually, two groups headed out separately in search of our feathered friends, hiding in the thick clover field wasn't long before i realized all the sporting clays and trap didn't quite prep me for what seemed like jack-in-the-box birds there's nothing more more disappointing than having a bird in your sights but your trigger safety say not this time all in all we took down a fair amount of birds to bring home with us and also made a bunch of cool new friends that was from mark cool and yeah that's the spoils. Birds, yeah, birds, yeah. Awesome. All right. I'm gonna do the and... next one. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, from Spencer. Hey guys, this email isn't about guns at all. After Kelly mentioned rescue dogs last week, I thought I'd introduce you guys to Alfie. For some background, I lost the only dog I'd been able to have in 30 years or so to stomach cancer at the end of August. He was older, so it shouldn't have been a huge surprise, but it really took it it out of me a friend started sending me pics of rescue dogs almost immediately and after a while i started looking online myself it, it, it's really heartbreaking how many dogs need homes especially around a major city like atlanta i was looking for an older dog again since they are less likely to be adopted there was a few that stuck a, uh, struck a chord but alfie really jumped out at me i went to visit the, the rescue he was in to see if we we got along and we really hit it off my only concern was whether he would be okay riding in a vehicle, but he answered that by hopping into the backseat of my truck as soon as I opened the door, pretty obviously waiting for me to get in and start driving him someplace interesting. I came back for him the next day, and he's been with me now for about a month. He's roughly eight years old and was originally from the U.S. Virgin Islands, probably Puerto Rico. In 2017, two major hurricanes devastated the islands, and lots of people were left homeless. Needless to say, dog shelters were over, overflowing and couldn't accept anywhere near the number of animals left without homes. This left a lot on the uh, a lot on the street, and at some point, Alfie was probably caught and used as a bait dog for dog fighting. Ooh. They mark bait dogs there by pouring boiling oil along their back so they stand out from the fighting dogs when they're in the pit. I'm pretty sure that one reason he was in the rescue so long, 18 months, was because of his of the scarring on his back. He did eventually make it into a rescue in Puerto Rico and was transferred to the rescue here in the U.S. in 2020 but, uh, to be treated for heartworm. You would think this kind of mistreatment would have soured him on people, but he's the sweetest dog I've ever owned. He loves meeting people and kids and other dogs as well, although he's pretty shy around the bigger dogs. 
Alfie is a bulldog mix, but I don't know what the mixed part is. I'm running his DNA, but I haven't gotten any results back. Probably some pit bulls since that's in every mutt these days. So that's it. A whole email that had nothing to do with guns at all. Keep up the great work, Spencer. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> now, Spencer. Yeah, there is some stuff going on with his back there. I didn't know that people did that. That's yeah, 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 it's horrible, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least he's got to get home now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, let's get on to. Uh, uh, we're not going to do it this month, but or this week, but uh, <laughs> we will be. Uh, we will be going through what people bought from our Cabela's link. Uh, we have, so we have a, uh, an affiliate link on our website. If you're going to go buy some stuff from Cabela's, uh, buy it through that link. We'll get a little cutback, and we'll talk about what people bought. Uh, once per month uh, on the show. Uh, thanks to our supporters on Patreon. So if, you, if you'd like to uh, help support us on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash radio and uh, that'll help uh, I don't know, donate like a couple bucks a month kind of a thing and it'll help us with hosting and uh, uh, just p- keep putting it in the kitty for the uh, the Slamfire helicopter. We'll, we'll get it one of these days. Yeah. I want a minigun on the side. I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, well, sure, why not? Helicopters come without miniguns? <laughs> Not good ones. Maybe like news helicopters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, from YouTube, uh, Kyle, you want to read that one? Uh, sure. It's from ZU on episode 479. And he says, wow, that went off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did. There never were rails. Yeah. Uh, what rails? <laughs> awesome. Uh, if you'd like to uh, email the show, send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com or comment on our YouTube or whatnot, and uh, we'll probably read it on the show. Uh, we're also uploading special content for Patreonies to our Patreon. Uh, so if you'd like to uh, help on over there, we will be uh, setting up some uh, special content for you guys over there. Uh, shout outs. Any shout outs? Uh, not this week. No, actually. Nothing for me. Quiet week. All right. Check us out on Gunners Canada. Like us on Facebook. uh, Join CCFR. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Good night, Kelly. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.